Hey, good morning, Community Life Church. Man, is it good to be here this morning. Man, it's exciting. I've really thoroughly enjoyed uh, studying this book that we're going to be going into today. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's our first major prophet. Super great. There's no way that I can give you all of this book today. You need to go home and read this book. I'm going to give you like an aerial view, kind of like, you know, like 30,000 feet aerial view of what this looks like. So it's going to be hard to get into. There's 48 chapters in the book of Ezekiel. And so I just simply cannot give you all of it, but I'm going to give you a lot of what I can to get us, uh, to get us going here today. Um, so you can turn in your Bible to the book of Ezekiel. Um, if you have your Bible, or you can open that up, or you can go to uh, your Bible app, and you can do it there. It's after the book of Jeremiah, right? Yeah, no, Lamentations, sorry. And, uh, and so it's in the Old Testament. Old Testament prophet there, kind of a dead giveaway. And so we've learned from a couple prophets so far. I've enjoyed this uh, study of breaking news, right? The prophets would jump on the scene, so to speak. God would give them a message, and then they would be encouraged, um, kind of called, if you will, which is, which is a, a big deal, um, to then share that message with other people. And they had to do it with such boldness and confidence because of the simple fact that uh, oftentimes these prophets were sought after and actually destroyed, Many prophets were running from, them life, from their life. They didn't have a big mansion. They weren't on television. Like The reality was is that these guys had direct message from God. And the three minor prophets that we looked at so far, let's do a quick review. I think it's important for us to do this review. They do this in school, and so I think we need to do this as a church family because otherwise we just come week to week to week to week. But we've been actually building on this together. The first week we looked at Micah. When things go wrong... We can choose what's right. So while everybody else around you is doing wrong, you can choose what's right. You can choose to be an encouragement. You can choose to be a blessing. You can choose these things if you choose to. And so Micah was uh, having some struggles because he was telling everybody, hey, you're doing this kind of wrong. You're profiting off of being a prophet, and we're not supposed to be doing that. Amos pops on the scene, and he says, when I worship God, I can be sincere. This idea is that everything's going from the inside and it's going outward. So it's not that you come in here trying to have an experience with God, therefore you get it. The idea is that you already have it and now you're worshiping sincerely from the inside out. So it's more of uh, that relationship and worshiping through that relationship more than it is worshiping through a feeling. Uh, Though when we are so excited about a relationship, we can get emotional, can't we? Right? Anybody in here like Hallmark movies? Okay, so those of you that do, um, you cry like every time, <laughs> right? Because you can see this relationship. Ronnie's not trying to cry, um, but Deb will. And, and so it chokes you up because you're like, I knew it, <laughs> right? You know, you see it coming from the first five minutes, but it still kind of moves you. And so we watched an amazing Christmas movie this past, um, this past week called Noel. Uh, just a sweet, sweet movie on Disney+. Plus. And uh, it was, it was, it was, there was moments where you're just kind of like... <laughs> It's kind of like uh, Trolls meets Elf. That movie comes together. It's a super fun movie. We enjoyed that. 
And so, um, nonetheless, pay no attention to those comments. So Zephaniah, we learned from last week that when times are tough, I can count on God. This, all of this is so powerful. And when, when this, this specific last week when we say when times are tough, because times are tough right now. Times are tough. Times have always been tough, but we have been able to numb ourselves through busyness. We could go and go and go and run and run and run and run. And the reason why I know that times were tough then, because you were having conversations with other people and myself saying, man, life is so full right now. I've got no time to myself, right? Now we have time to ourselves and it's still tough. And so the reality is, is that we can count on God. We have not counted on God a lot. And now moving forward, I believe is a great opportunity for us to choose to start counting on God. So Zephaniah was talking about God's justice and and God's hand of, of mercy and how those come together and his love to actually purify his people. So that kind of gets us a little brief overview. But let me just tell you, Ezekiel is off the hook with 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 all kinds of imagery, um, just fascinating, like almost street theater, if you will. And we're going to see what Ezekiel was doing as we get started here. Who here uh, has ever owned uh, one of those little GPSs that you would mount to your window? Right, raise your hand. Okay, guys, put it in the comments if you ever had a GPS. Just raise your hand. It's a little emoji. And uh, and so you you had a GPS, right? Before that, we had maps. Right? So kids, these are big, large pieces of paper that we would unfold from AAA, and we would hold it up like this while we were driving. No, I'm just kidding. And so we'd have these big maps, and we'd be like, I think we're about here. And those are kind of fun. You know, AAA would have triptychs, and you could actually follow and see the signs, and it was was pretty fun. But then GPS came out, and in the early 90s, mid-90s, where you could actually uh, follow that little GPS thing. And then at some point in time... They put it in this little gadget, which is actually not a phone. It's a computer, has a phone capability. I bet you didn't know that. I'm not much of a techie, but I knew that, Trevi. And so they have a phone capability. And you can go on here onto maps, and you can pull up where you want to go. And I can even put on there, right, watch this, directions home. Right? I, I apparently live a half a mile away. <laughs> so, and it's asking me to walk. I'm not walking. <laughs> so anyway, so you could do these maps and you can do these things. Well, there was a time uh, I didn't always own one of these, and they weren't easily accessible either. And I used to deliver pizzas. I loved to deliver pizzas for Marcos. I, li- I worked for Marcos roughly about four years on and off. I had a couple different general managers. One lives in the community here. One, I actually married her and her husband. Super fun. And I actually grew up with one of them. And so it was super neat to be able to do that. And I just love delivering pizzas because I love get- interacting with people. I'm more of an extrovert than an introvert, if you hadn't noticed. And so I, I just love being around people. And, uh, and so I would get in my car and I would drive and I just know Talmadge like the back of my hand. And I'd, they'd give me the address. I knew exactly where to go. It wasn't an issue. Somebody says, hey, would you be willing to fill in in Cuyahoga Falls? And I was like, where's Cuyahoga Falls? I'm just kidding. And so I went to Cuyahoga Falls to, to fill in. And the store's on like Portage Trail, I think. And I went up there and I pulled in and I'm going, you know what? They actually have maps on the uh, on the wall there so you can track so how hard can this be first order up hey we got a triple can you handle it what that means is i've got three deliveries that need to happen at this one time that i go out 
sure, no problem. I mean, how hard can it be, right? So I looked on the map, and I kind of took a little bit of notes down. And anywhere from about 45 to 60 minutes later, I came back to the store. Now, if you don't understand the significance of how much time that was, understand it should have never taken me 45 to 60 minutes because I was lost. I was, pull, I was going down every street. I figured if I followed the numbers that maybe it would take me back to the store, and that didn't work. And I was just turning on every angle thinking, oh, this looks familiar. No, it doesn't. And I eventually made it back. But I was lost. At one point in time, I pulled off, and I remember going into this gas station going, this is just, the delivery guy should know where he's at. And I walked in, and I said, hey, um, where am I at? <laughs> where am I at? Where am I? And they would say, where are you supposed to be, right? Well, today's sermon title is simply, where am I? Where am I? And I wonder, and I go, where am I? They go, well, you're in the, you're in the gas station. Yes, I know that. Um, where is the gas station? <laughs> right? You're in Chicago Falls. I know that. <laughs> um, where's Marco's Pizza? I never ordered from there. What? It's good pizza, right? And I get a little mad. And then they was able to give me some directions. I finally got back. Guy go, where were you? I don't know. <laughs> What's the problem? I had no idea where I was. Um, we, we talk about getting lost, and we talk about that in a physical sense, but we've been lost emotionally, haven't we? We've been lost relationally, right? And so the big idea for today that we're going to kind of unpack from Ezekiel is this. When I'm lost, God guides me. He does guide you. He does guide me. But if we don't, you, you, ever, you ever listen to your phone and it used to give you heads up? And then all of a sudden you realize that your phone is not giving you those heads up. And you're mad at the phone. Okay, maybe this is just me. And then you find out that your volume's down. Right? Or maybe I'm not listening because the volume on the radio is up too loud. God is trying to guide, right? Like our maps is trying to guide us. But you got to listen. We all experience a sense of loss. We're born lost. We're actually born spiritually dead. And it isn't until Jesus gets a hold of us that we become new creations, this new life. And so we all experience a level of being lost. But when I'm lost, God guides me. And it doesn't matter the circumstances. God always guides me. So today we look at our first major prophet. His name is Ezekiel. Say that with me. Ezekiel. Just a fun name to say. There's so much information in this, in this book I'm going to do the best I can to kind of give us some, some highlights of what's really going on here. By a show of hands, how many people have pets? How many people have ever had pets, right? So pets are interesting. We have pets everywhere in Mogador. When we first got married, uh, my wife surprised me with a little Bichon we named Sneaker because she was sneaky. And so we called her Sneaker, and it was so interesting that sometimes um, I led the dog, and sometimes the dog led me. But what's even more fascinating is some people that I even see around here that actually have pet horses that they call dogs, uh, that they said about, <laughs> yay, hi, they're really dogs, I'm kidding. They're real, real big dogs, and the dogs are really own in the show. You know as well as I do, if a dog sits this, this, uh, this tall, the reality is it's being nice to you if you're still walking next to it. And so it's interesting to me when you got, when you got pets that are actually leading the lead. But the idea is that we're supposed to lead the pets. You go on nice walks. And when I had Sneaker, I would try to do like, there was a guy like the, the dog whisperer that would say, hey, here's what you do. And it was this training thing that you hold the leash and you walk in a square. 
right? Do this. And the dog's supposed to stay right next to you. And even if the dog gets tangled up, you just keep going. And I'm like, well, that's just mean. Needless to say, she never learned. (laughs) Do you know what a shepherd does? Shepherd is supposed to take care of sheep. Very good. Of course, you kind of had a cheat sheet right there. (laughs) So um, the shepherd is supposed to guide these sheep. And sheep actually need far more guidance than most animals. It's like they live in a state of lost, right? And so these sheep really need care for. Shepherds lead sheep. Turns out sheep need to be led quite a bit. And Ezekiel gives us this imagery, this picture of what that looks like throughout the book. Let me give you a little background on Ezekiel as we dive in here, because like I said, there's a lot here for us to unpack, and I'm going to try to lead us up to Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm going to lead us up to that because there's a big chunk that we need to understand before we get there. First of all, Ezekiel is from Judah and living during a really rough time in history. Sound familiar? During that time, the people had been, give, had been living in a way that did not honor God. The, the Israelites were completely and utterly Almost, I mean, you could say they're opposing God with their lifestyle. They're living in such open, uh, flagrant, uh, absolute idolatry where they just have, they're just worshiping anything and everything other than God. And it's getting, and it's so bad that they've actually, they've actually crossed, they've crossed the line, if you will, right? Like we make mistakes. Do you make mistakes? Okay, you know as well as I do, the person sitting next to you makes mistakes, right? <laughs> you don't, but they do. And so we all make mistakes. And so Israel's been making mistakes. So this isn't a light thing where they made one mistake and all of a sudden God's frustrated. Well, you made that mistake and so now it's over. We're talking about many, many, many years of absolute disobedience that God has been sending prophet after prophet after prophet. Listen, if you don't do this, it's going to happen. Listen, if you please stop doing that. And so Ezekiel pops on the scene and he's actually living in the time now where Babylon is coming after him. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Of all the people of Judah, uh, everybody had been exiled to a place called Babylon. Now the word exile, right? That's kind of a full word there. Basically, it means that you're taking, taken away from the place that you lived. Now within Ezekiel, the, the first section I'm going to talk about crosses about seven years. The next chunk of, of Scripture is going to be about 15 years. Now, these first seven years of prophesying, of prophesying is actually talking about a lot of horror and very little to no hope. Just, I mean, he's just going on for seven years, letting people know what's going on. Ezekiel actually receives his call during the first couple chapters of Ezekiel. And this is kind of how it happens. So Babylon comes in and takes out the first string, the string of people, Le- leaves the temple, but takes out, takes out a ton of people. And Ezekiel is one of them. Now, the book starts five years after that happens. And Ezekiel is sitting by this canal. And he's just kind of minding his own business. It's his birthday. He's 30 years old, which is about the time that he would have been considered for a priest. And so I'm sure he's feeling kind of down. He gets this vision. Check this out. He gets this vision. And what he sees in this vision are um, winged creatures on each corner of this squared platform. And the wings are touching. And beneath, and, and on, on the heads of each one of these creatures are four faces, right? You're going, what? Yeah, heaven's going to be cool. 
And so we've got these four-faced uh, creatures. Underneath them, there's these wheels. I don't know. Um, read Ezekiel. And then there's this platform. And on this platform is this glowing human-like creature rep- representing the glory of who God is. In fact, he actually refers to it as the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And this idea of glory is actually similar to when Moses experienced God on Mount Sinai. So here it is, this vision. And here's what's confusing to Ezekiel. He goes, I don't understand. I'm in Babylon. The glory of the Lord is actually not supposed to be in Babylon. It's supposed to be over there in the temple. So why is it here? We're going to get that in just a minute. So chapters 4 to 32, right? 4 to 32, we have judgment against Judah and this gloating of the nations. We have judgment. So basically, God says, you are to accuse Israel of idolatry and basically just walking away from me, sinning, openly not caring. And so Ezekiel's actually called to do kind of some street theater. Check this out. So there's going to be another attack from Babylon. And so here's how Ezekiel is supposed to share it with people. So he goes out into the street, has these sign acts, if you will, to kind of explain it. At one point in time, he's supposed to build a tiny model of Jerusalem, like he's playing with Legos, if you will, and then stage an attack on it. Right? You're going, what? For real? Yeah. And and then there's another time where he cuts off all of his hair, and and then he takes a sword and he chops it up, because that's supposed to show that, like, hey, there's something going on here. And then one of the, I'm telling you, one of the, probably the grossest and the most absurd, this is the moment where I probably would have turned my profit card in and been like, it's been fun. (laughs) It's been fun. But he said, listen, Ezekiel, now... You're going to play the role of a scapegoat. Now, a scapegoat is the name that you would use for the animal at the Day of Atonement. I know there's a lot of stuff here where where the sins of Israel would be poured onto the scapegoat to kind of separate Israel from their sins or people from their sins. That's why they call it a scapegoat. Sound familiar? And so Ezekiel was supposed to play the role of this goat. And for one year, he would be bound by God himself, laying on the side, on his side in the middle of the street. Here's the gross part. While he's laying there, he's supposed to be having a little campfire and food cooking over burning feces. Like, for real? Uh Uh-huh. It's in there. They say dung. (laughs) So they got some dung there. Starts off with human dung. Um, That's poo to the layman. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So there's human poo. And then he gets upgraded to animal poo. And the idea of that, you're going, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. But this whole imagery is to show that when Babylon attacks again... This is what it's going to be like. You're, you're not going to have, like, wonderful, lovely food. You're going to have something awful and just disgusting because of sin. Now, I know what you're saying. That is weird. Didn't Ezekiel have a choice? Didn't he have rights? Uh, we as Americans get kind of caught up on that. Don't I have rights? Right? E- Ezekiel was called by God. To share a message. He was a messenger of God. So he chose to be obedient. And he chose to be faithful to God. 
even though he had to do some strange things that God clearly said, this is what you're going to do. So this imagery was to share that how this is not going to be a good time. When Babylon comes back again, it is going to be very, very bad, even worse than the first part. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, this is just kind of crazy. What else is going on, right? Well, that's the gross part. I think the worst part about it almost is that Ezekiel was told by God, hey, do these things. Oh, and by the way, nobody's going to listen to you. Could you imagine going and doing a job and you had to convey information and then they said, hey, you're going to go do this for the next year or so. um, But by the way, nobody's going to listen to you. Wouldn't you feel hopeless? Wouldn't you feel kind of like, well, I'm sure there's something else out there I could do that's more meaningful. This was very meaningful because he was working for God, directly conveying this message. But he knew ahead of time, hey, nobody's even going to listen to you. About a year later, Ezekiel gets another picture, another vision, another picture of what's going on. And he kind of gets a a virtual tour of, of a temple, right? Gets a virtual tour of the temple in Jerusalem where he's not at. Now, he sees pictures of people in the inner court, super big deal, who have put up statues, idols. And people are worshiping these idols and these statues. And it's just not going well. And then he sees, remember that picture I told you about the winged things and the four faces and the the, the glory of the Lord and the appearance, right? And how it was in Babylon. And he was like, I don't understand. Why is this in Babylon? In this vision, he sees that the idolatry has actually pushed God out of his own temple, if you will. He chose to leave. And it's headed east toward Babylon. So it's starting to come together for Ezekiel to see, like, what's going on? So now we see it's out of the temple, right? This, this imagery. And Ezekiel is getting a picture Now we see how and why God's glory was seen in Babylon rather than Jerusalem. God promises that he will bring his people, Israel, back to himself. So here's the cool thing about God. Everybody got exiled because of their sin. But so did God, right? He didn't just send them away. He actually went with them. You want to talk about the heart of a father. It's not just a matter of get away. It's a matter of you're being, you're being judged. You're being corrected. You're being, uh, your sin is being dealt with. And I'm standing with you while I'm dealing with your sin. And so the first seven years, he's talking about how there's this, there's this judgment. There's this horror and kind of no hope. But then we pop on to chapters 33 through 48. And now we're talking about restoration of Israel uh, to the Lord. And a lot of this imagery is very futuristic in nature. In fact, I would say almost all of it is futuristic based on where they were and where they're going. Chapter 33, however, is this short uh, story of a refugee who comes to inform Ezekiel that's, all, that's, in, that's in Babylon that the Babylonian army went and did, in fact, destroy the temple. And it was completely demolished. 
Ezekiel's warnings were becoming a reality. There's a lot there, isn't there? That brings us up to chapter 34, where there's a sense of hope being shared. There's a sense of hope being shared. The Israelites have been away from home for a long time. And God declares being a good shepherd. Check this out. Follow these verses with me. Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I am going to go out and find them. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. Because without a shepherd the sheep would just kind of go and do whatever came into their minds. And they would just go and they would just be. But God is going to seek after them himself and find them. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. How can we apply this? Hey, we're scattered people. We are scattered people, and he is talking about being a good shepherd, and who is also referred to in the New Testament as a good shepherd. His name is Jesus, right? So you can see how this is coming together. It's pointing towards the future. We actually get to look back to the future. And that's not kind of cool. And so here it is on this. uh, I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples uh, and nations. I will feed them. I, God says, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the rivers, and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places. And that sounds good, laying down in a pleasant place. You ever lay down in a, at, at the end of a very long day and say, oh, that is so nice. That sounds like a pleasant place. But if God provides something, imagine how much even more. A pleasant place. And feed in the lush pastures of the hill. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost ones who strayed away. What he's saying here is he's he's producing a new David. A new looking towards Christ to say, listen... I'm going to give you a king you should have had from the very beginning. Because if you remember, from the beginning of all this king stuff in the Old Testament, God said, listen, Israel, you don't need a king. I will be your king. And they said, no, we need a king. He said, no, I'm your king. No, we need a king. Fine, give him a king. And it has been one bad king after another. King David pops on, King Josiah pops on, and a couple of them are trying really, really hard. But here he's talking about one that is not going to mess it up. And I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. Do you understand the significance of the intimacy when he says, I will bandage them? Let me give you an example. My family, my my wife and I, we we, uh, went through this training called uh, TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention, for for kiddos with uh, trauma, uh, sensory kids, uh, individuals of that nature, adults even that have trauma. Trust-based relational intervention is this idea of connecting. Connecting in any way that you can. And one way is through bandaging wounds. Some are more legitimate physical wounds where you don't just hand the Band-Aid, right? 
The scripture passage here is, I will bandage them. So it's basically kind of getting down and taking that scraped knee. We have a lot of scraped knees in our house. And taking this band-aid and putting it on there. And then just holding it for a minute. That's the intimacy that our Heavenly Father has always wanted with Israel. But Israel just kept saying, I think I know better. Does that not sound familiar? And so he says, I'm going to bandage. And so through this trust-based relational intervention, the idea is connecting physically. Now, sometimes there's not a physical pain, but sometimes their heart hurts. And so you grab a Band-Aid anyway, and, 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 you, and you try to put it right. Does that, does that feel better? And, and just right on top of their shirt. Yeah, that feels better because they're connecting. That's the imagery that we see here when God says, I'm going to bandage their wounds. He's not going to delegate it. He's not going to try to put together whatever. He's going to sit down, and he's going to bandage them because he is, in fact, their father in heaven, even though he's still their king. Now, that's a personal relationship with an all-knowing God. So it continues here. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, I'll feed them justice. God doesn't play around when it comes to sin. We think that it's all good. Me and God, we got an understanding. He doesn't play around when it comes to sin, people. Listen to me when I say this. I've experienced it in my own life. I have seen it with so many people thinking it was all good. And then all of a sudden, there was a level of correction or judgment. And then we blame God to say, God doesn't love me anymore. And we try to play the card of like the victim. And in reality, we brought it upon ourselves. And so, sounds like God's not very happy with the leaders, though, of Israel, because he says, listen, I'm going to strike down the fat and the powerful. Those individuals that have taken advantage of the weak, those individuals that have taken advantage of the injured, I'm going to deal with them myself. I'm not going to send somebody to do it. I'm going to do it. Which, in turn, he came, and he was God with flesh on in the man Jesus Christ. He came, and he dealt with it himself. So is there any good news? <laughs> is there any good news? Well, there's a lot of good news in that. Ezekiel 34, going into verse 20, it says, Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I love it when it, when, when it, when it says that because all too often we want to take credit for things that are not ours. And Ezekiel is very quick to say, listen, this is what God said. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. This is what the Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. I will rescue my flock, which means Israel needed rescued, which means the people of God needed rescued, which means you and I need rescued. I know it's uh, the American dream is to be the self-made individual, right? Self-made man, self-made woman. But the reality is that we need rescued because this boat we're on is sinking and we think it's all good. It's like the Titanic. Everybody, there's so many people. Did you know that historically documents show that they were still playing music on the Titanic because they didn't want the first class passengers to have to deal with too much, right? A, a, you know, anxiety. They were actually out there and they were like, let's just keep playing. I mean, how bad can it be, right? Can't be that big of a deal until they start seeing the water probably come over the, over the keel of the boat and they're just going, whoa, this is for real. But then it's too late. But then it's too late. 
We need rescued. And God gives us plenty of warning. He's been warning us for a long time. And people have been trying to like, hey, let's just, let's polish this message up a little bit and make it easier for people to digest. Man, I'm not interested in that. Mm -mm. Because if I make it seem like it's something that it's not, I'm accountable to God. The truth is we all need rescued. And they will no longer be abused, he says. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them, and I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. You see, they've taken advantage of so many people, and God is done with it. And he's going to deal with every individual. So as we come to the close of the book, we see that there's judgment already in place, but God isn't causing judgment from afar. He didn't send a letter. He didn't shoot an email. He didn't put it out on social media. He didn't say anything from afar. He was in the midst with them, and in the midst of them dealing with it, he was giving hope. Understand, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to change their hearts. I'm going to remove their hardened heart, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh, Scripture says, and I'm going to do it so that they can truly honor me. The only way that our hardened, dead heart can be changed into new life is through the man of Jesus Christ. And that's what's happening here. That's what's being said here. When God says, I'm going to remove this hard heart, and I'm going to put in a heart of flesh, I'm going to put in a heart that's receptive to me, it's because, and it's only way he can, that, that he chose to do this. I guess he could do it any way he wanted, but he did it in Christ. So when we receive Jesus, we receive new life. Bringing his people together. So this is, this is such a cool part of the, of the book. Chapters 40 to 48, there's this vision of the new temple. They don't, he doesn't refer to it as Jerusalem. He refers to it as the new temple. Ezekiel receives an amazing vision of this new temple. The image is remarkable. There's, it's about six miles all the way around. It goes about a mile and a half and a mile and a half, mile and a half, mile and a half. I don't know. Do the math. And so it goes all the way around. But in, in, in sheer diameter, it's six miles is what this would look like being here on earth. This is amazing. And, there's, there, and then in this vision of the temple, he sees, remember from the beginning when I started rambling about the winged creatures? Right, the wheels underneath these, the four heads, the, the, the squared structure, the glory of the Lord, the likeness of the glory of God, right? It's now floating, right? Coming into this new temple. So it left because of idolatry. It joined his people. And as he brings his people with him to this new temple. Now here's kind of, here's a kind of a cool thought. There's this image of this of it coming in. Some people would say that it's a literal temple and some people would say it was a symbolic temple. Regardless of what other camp you stand on, either way, God is preparing to restore his creation. Here's the coolest thing ever. Ezekiel sees this tiny stream pouring out of the temple. It becomes like this raging river, flows into a, uh, a desert, uh, the Dead Sea Valley, and begins to transform the Dead Sea Valley into a living sea valley. Going back to the imagery of Genesis chapter 1 and 2, where there's this new life 
being built. He will restore his creation. He had a plan. Sin messed it up. We allowed it into the world. It continues to get messed up. And God says, I am going to restore it. The book of Ezekiel reminds us to seek out the Lord in those dark times. You may feel exiled. I mean, the pandemic can make you feel, right, pushed out. But understand God is still with us. This application specifically for Israel saying, like, I'm going to receive my people and I'm going to restore them. It does apply all to creation and to all of us. This restoration of coming together. There's a lot of information right there from the book of Ezekiel. I encourage you to go and spend some time reading through Ezekiel and see for yourself some of these details that were brought out. So basically, the book of Ezekiel reminds us to seek out the Lord in those dark times when we feel lost, to examine our own lives and to align ourselves with the one true God. Uh, Walmart Plus is a good thing, but it's not going to save us. Um, all these good things that we're doing is not our savior. They're good guidelines. People, wear your masks and wash your hands, please. But you're looking for someone to restore? Look to Jesus. Because no matter what happens on Capitol Hill and comes down to us, there is still but one that is going to be the ultimate king. And that's Jesus. And here's the cool thing about it. We don't even have to watch a debate. Jesus is truly already in place. He's ready. Man, what excitement that builds inside of me to think about the fact that one day he'll be truly, truly here and sin be gone. The prayer from this morning, thank you, Brown family, for reading this prayer. Dear God, Thank you for being our shepherd. We sometimes feel like we're, we've lost our way. But instead of losing hope or feeling down, we will remember that when we're lost, you guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. When I'm lost, God guides me. That's what this, this, this you could you wrap up this book, this major book, Prophecy. Ezekiel, when I'm lost, God guides me. You're probably going to experience loss again. Keep in mind and keep telling yourself and keep reminding yourself that God is guiding you. Even when it seems hopeless, there's always hope. There's always hope. There's always hope. So what are your next steps? Think about this. Are you lost? Are you feeling a little lost? Are you feeling really lost? God knows where you are. When you stand and you say, where am I? God knows exactly where you are. So trust him to bring you home. It may not be the home like you always thought it was or that it should be. But when Jesus is there, when the Father is there, bandaging your wounds, strengthening the weak, that's home. That is home. Listen to this Psalm 95. 
Psalm 95, and then we're going to sing this song together. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If you only would listen to his voice today. As we sing this song, I want to give us an opportunity to just pray and cry out to Jesus, the one who is our rescue, the one who is our good shepherd. So let's just pray for a moment here and listen to whatever the Spirit of God might be sharing with you. When we say that we love you, Jesus, what this means is If you've ever been rescued or saved, we, we would say, man, I just love that person so much. And we would not feel weird about it. So when believers say, oh, Jesus, we love you, it's because we were rescued and we understand that. So Father, it's with that heart that we come to you right now this new life that you've given to us that we can actually then love you. Before you, we had hardened hearts and we had, well, we were dead. We were dead and we couldn't love you the way that, uh, in any way. And so here's the reality is that it's until you take that and replace with new life that we can then love you. We love you because you first loved us. And so as we take this book of Ezekiel that, God, I just hope it makes sense. <laughs> I just hope it made sense. Will you take these words that we learned today and instill this into our hearts with the understanding that Ezekiel is saying God is going to deal with sin and yet provide hope. And so even though we go through just hardships right now, there's always hope. Not because of anything that we see here, or anything we experience around us necessarily, but that we truly know that you're working. We truly know that you're still in control, that you're, you're still on your throne. You're still sitting on that platform that's, that we see. You're still calling the shots. There's still hope. There's still hope, and we're going to hold on to that hope. We're going to hold on to it because that's all we've got. That's all we've got. You, our mighty king, our mighty savior. Thank you for sending your spirit as a helper. I pray in the name of Jesus that the spirit of God would truly be on all of us. Listening, watching online, in person, everybody that authentically claims your name. May your spirit just permeate that. You see these holidays that we're trying to hold on to, thinking that's going to make everything all better. We're trying to hold on to elements of tradition and family and food 
which God are not bad things. But there is one Savior, and none of that is it. So for us to truly experience real joy in the middle of all the stuff, we're going to rely on you. And even though our Thanksgiving and our Christmas and our New Year's is going to look different, I choose joy because I choose you. So please help us in these moments as we honor you and we push aside any idols in our life and we just truly worship you, our good, good Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Guys, thanks for being here today. Thanks for watching online. It's always a joy to be able to connect with you. As you're heading out here today, uh, we had put out on the email, and you're going to get a card on your way out as well. We're going to go ahead and put our in-person service times on pause for right now, and we're going to have everybody watch online. Um, It's going to give us an opportunity to be able to care for people in unique ways, but we also have some unique things going on. Right? We have some unique things going on around us, uh, certainly a response to the advisory, but we also think that it'll be a benefit to the whole church family if all of us just um, engage together. We're not trying to provide something online for you to watch the church. We're trying to connect with you so that you can continue to be the church. I get it. I don't like online any more than you do. But hey, it's a way that we can connect. We're going to have live elements as much as we possibly can, and let's stay engaged. Because I choose to not be a consumer with my relationship with Jesus. I choose to be a follower. So let's engage together for a couple weeks and let's see what God can do in the midst of all of that. All right? Will you receive the blessing of the Lord as you head out here now? The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now go and be the church.